The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. Film Fridays. I am your host, the uh, trapped in the basement, Clinton Robinson. But you know, I, I've done a little bit of reaching out. I have decided to talk to a foreign dignitary, folks. That's right. I might just become a complete expatriate to get out of this basement. And unfortunately for me, they sent over the uh, Latvian embassy. Professor Allen. Well, hello there, Clinton. This, this is a lovely setup you have here. Now, did you say this technically constitutes the Longbox Crusade Embassy? Or is it like just a murder room type of situation? Um, I'm not sure of the legal specifications on that. You have to talk to Laurel. She she handles all the legal paperwork. Yeah, as as the chief counsel, I, I, I can understand that. Um... My concern here, buddy, is that if this were an embassy, then clearly diplomatic immunity would cover me and I could pretty easily, you know, bust the door down and and let you out. But um, since it's probably like, what do you call it, like private property in those, um, what are they, United States? And so I probably can't break you out um, because, as you know, in Latveria, we respect laws and airspace and uh, 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 misdemeanors and uh, uh, traffic laws of every country that we are invited into. And it would be inappropriate for me to let you out. So I understand if you don't want to talk about the movie, I get that. But, I mean, my, my flight doesn't leave back to Doomstadt for, you know. Another couple of hours, so I got time to kill. It's your call, man. Plus, call. you know, there's always the possibility that Delvin is upstairs and looking to practice his jujitsu on somebody. Well, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a little painful getting down here. Uh, it was, um, I, I, it, it was a fair fight. Let let let's just please let's probably probably shouldn't go into detail. <laughs> okay, well, since you did mention it, uh, Alan is here to. Uh, Pretty much, you know, kind of discuss something, you know, since since there's, you know, the good people of Hollywood won't make a biopic of the <sighs> the clearly honorable and duly recognized leader of Latveria, uh, the internet took charge of it and released <laughs> Von Doom. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. Yes, a, it did. Yeah, it, it, it's a... 
it's a lovely little fan film dedicated to everybody's favorite world leader. Now, I'm, I'm sure, uh, Clinton, you have some background about this film, but um, there's what the Internet has and, you know, there's the truth. So if if, if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, I, I used my connections. I've oh. got the story as to how this film got made. If, if, if you're curious, if you think your listeners would be would be in, interested. Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of people remember that in 2020, I mean, the world was facing global COVID pandemic. Um, during that time, Latveria actually had a couple of advantages. Um, the only leader worth anything. I mean, that's actually a pretty big one. Um, but the main advantage was one of Doom's creations, the time platform. And uh, Doom actually used this in two ways. First, any Latverian who got COVID, bam, transported back to 1918, the Spanish flu era, you know, because they'd fit right in, you know, un- unless the person was especially troublesome, in which case, <laughs> uh, bubonic plague. Um, but the important thing is that that kept the virus from spreading within the country. And, you know, but as helpful as that, it obviously the key is the vaccine. That's really, you know, the 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 game changer. And this is going to be news to people living in this current timeline, because originally the vaccine did not arrive until the administration of U.S. President Simon Cowell. Um, I mean, technically, he tasked Vice President Klum uh, to handle that. Um, uh, and she did a fine job. Uh, uh, just uh, uh, So what Doom did, he went into the future got the vaccine, brought it back to Latveria to work on it, retrofit it, improve it, mass produce it. But in that secondary adjusted timeline, see if you can follow me on it. Time travel can can be confusing. But in that adjusted timeline, um, it did increase the speed of the vaccine, but that still, it didn't come uh, until uh, President Jenner. So... You know, it it helped, you know, shortened that that window waiting for the vaccine. So Doom did a couple more time travel iterations. And eventually he was able to bring the vaccine to the entire world in early 2021. He did this under various code names that were developed by his corporate subsidiaries, which, of course, are all based in and taxed in Latveria. So these were project names. Uh, well, I mean, if you translate them into English from the Latvian, it's concepts like uh, Johnson and Johnson, uh, mo- uh, modern, moderna, moderna, something like that, and then also Pfizer. And I'd want to brag, but Project Pfizer that was named after me. Uh, Pfizer, you know, it's Latvian for professor. Um, so anyway, anyway, I, you know, but I mean. I think the important lesson is that no other scientist, whether they had stretching abilities or not, was able to solve this global health crisis. So as a result, in celebration of that day in 2025, when Doom was, I mean, will be, will be named simultaneously president of the United States, chair of the European Union, commissioner of Major League Baseball, Chancellor of Ohio University and Commissioner of the Science Police of the 31st Century, all on that day to celebrate that day, Doom commissioned this film be made to tell his story. Now, Clinton, you may have some additional facts 
about the movie. I mean, you're you're welcome to sprinkle them in here or, you know, during during the discussion. I wouldn't want your quote unquote research to go to waste. You know, you can fill in some gaps. But, you know, that's 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 the true story. OK, well, before I get to my, you know, media approved uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> facts there, mm-hmm. uh, for those completely unfamiliar with, you know, Victor Von Doom. <laughs> Oh, Clinton, you know, your show is usually not funny. No, you usually don't, you know, tell jokes and stuff. But that one, oh, my friend, oh, that one's good. The idea that nobody has. I'm sorry. Go on, man. Go on. Well, you know, if you could uh, crack open your uh, state-issued uh, biography of Doom and just kind of give us a, a brief uh, history synopsis of his adventures and such. Uh, well, uh, most people in uh, this part of the world uh, know him as being introduced in uh, what's what what's it called in in English? Clinton failure four, uh, <laughs> failure f- family of four failures. So it's it's I don't know. It's it's got some name that's not all that fantastic. Um, of course, Doom, the duly elected and rightful ruler of Latveria, because he. When you have one election and it goes right, let's be honest, one's enough. And so uh, Doom, of course, is the uh, rightful ruler of the uh, nation of uh, Latveria, one of the strongest, uh, most powerful uh, nations uh, on the face of the earth. And he has battled such uh, serious and uh, A-list characters from quote-unquote comic books like the Punisher, like the Hulk, like Iron Man, like Squirrel Girl. And I mean, and and he doesn't just battle A-listers like I just mentioned. He has occasionally gone up against, you know, folks who, frankly, their books need a little help. So he appears every, I don't know, 10, 20 issues in Flan, Flantab, Flan, what is it? Fantastic Four? I, I, I think they call it. Um and uh, but due to the way that Hollywood is and hashtag big comic, Doom, of course, has never been in a Hollywood movie. Never, never. Thank no, 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 no. That. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. But no, never, never, never. So this film, uh, for whatever reason, only has one hundred and nine thousand views. So I'm pretty sure that's. That, that's got to be wrong, folks. Hashtag fake news. Yeah, I mean, the, the YouTube algorithm's just, you know, something screwy with this, because this was uploaded back in March of 2017. And, yeah, you can't tell me there's only been 109,000 views on this no, since this, then. This, I mean, for one thing, Clint, I was looking at it, and every time I refreshed it, the count went up by one. I mean, people were clearly watching it. I'd refresh it. I'd load it again. Count went up by one. I'd load it again. Count went up by one. So clearly, people around the world are watching this, okay? <laughs> All right. So it was uploaded by Ivan Kander of Lucky Nine Studios, who also wrote and directed this. So uh, dude had a good job here, folks. The story itself is by Avi... Giljansky? Pardon me on those names, folks. You know how I am. Uh, the, the film starred Alex McKelvey as Victor, John Paul Andrews as the Baron, Scott Cummings as Mr. Von Doom, 
David Van Tessel as Dr. Doom, Jonathan Newport as Young Victor, Chelsea Lloyd as the Baron's wife, and Colin Cassidy as the voice of Doom. So, the already, you know, the film lives up to its name because there's a lot of Von Doom in this. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, there is. The film itself runs a grand total of 14 minutes because, by golly, when you have a story and you know what you want to tell, you don't need to pad it out to two hours, folks. You can get it in 14 minutes. And I would recommend staying to the very end. Oh, yes. So, basically, you know, 14 minutes also means that it will not take up much of your day. It means you can go take a quick break, watch the film before Alan and I completely spoil everything for you about how much Von Doom is in Von Doom. So, stop here, check the show notes, go watch this film, and then come back, not just because we're going to spoil it, but, you know, because sometimes it's just more fun when everybody's on the same page about everything. So take a quick break, spend 14 minutes of your time in Latveria, and then come right back because we're going to talk about it. No matter what happens, I want you to run. Keep running. Promise me that. Who are you? Something you created. He's an evil man! He's not worthy of your protection! I care nothing for him. He is but a roach that scavenges the earth just waiting for his time to be squashed. Some may call that fate. But for me, I call it doom. Okay, and we're back. Everybody watched the film good. I I do hope that everyone did what I did and spent 14 hours watching it 60 straight times. <laughs> that's that's personally my recommendation. Is that how math works? <laughs> Laurel. What? Laurel, get down here and do math. I'm just a finance professor. I'm not good with numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, something like. That. So anyway, the film opens in Latveria in 1965. Young Victor and his father are running to escape. His father stumbles but urges Victor to continue onward, gifting him a small glowing orb. Victor escapes, but the men catch up to Victor's father. As we focus in on Victor, a gunshot is heard in the distance. Fast forward to Empire State University in New York, 1976. A now-adult Victor breaks into one of the university labs. As he does so, Victor's voiceover informs us that science and magic are pretty much related. You know, everything that they tried to say in that first Thor movie that everybody glossed over. <laughs> he also informs us of his past. How the Baron controlled Latveria, how the Baron's wife was dying, and how Victor's father was brought in to try and cure her. Excuse me, I cannot talk this morning, afternoon, evening. What time of day is it? <laughs> There's no light down here, Alan. <laughs> but he tries to cure her, ultimately failing, leading to the opening scene from the film. Because time works like that. Back in the lab. Or, what? or does it? Oh, Good, good. So back in the lab, Victor uses the glowing orb as a power source to fuel his experiment. Yes, folks, this being Victor Von Doom, he's built, you guessed it, a water clock. No, it's a time machine. It's a time machine. Of course it is. 
Victor travels back to the moment of his father's murder in order to stop the Baron and his men. Believe it or not, Victor succeeds! But as he is just about to kill the Baron, a blast of green energy knocks the two men apart. A hooded figure clad in strange armor approaches and instructs Victor to leave. The armored fig... Excuse me again. Man, this daytime-nighttime thing is really confusing. The armored figure deflects the blast from Victor's ray gun, but says he's not trying to protect the Baron. It's just merely not the right time. The armored figure sends Victor back to 1976 and instructs the Baron, now visibly shaken, to finish killing Victor's father. In the university lab, we see Victor make a quick sketch of the mysterious man's armor. Meanwhile, the armored figure tells the Baron of what men call fate, yet he simply calls it doom, and then returns to his own time. But wait, folks, that's not all! In a post credit scene, we see some nerd come into the lab and start lecturing Victor on the university rules and nosing around into Victor's experiments. Loser! Somehow, he actually manages to decipher, or just plain guess, what Victor's calculations mean. But says it may have been affected by some dumb thing called cosmic rays. And of course, this is... <sighs> read, read. I mean, which is true. I mean, he, he is, uh, sadly, he is correct about one thing. And that is that nothing good has ever come from the interaction of humanity and cosmic rays. <laughs> Not one positive thing has ever happened from that. And that, folks, is the basic synopsis of Von Doom. So, Professor, everybody's clearly tired of me talking. What did you think of this? I thought it was wonderful. 14 minutes of epic. And I don't think anyone has ever figured out the Latverian accent as well as that guy did. <laughs> I, I was very impressed by that. The, the cloak, the fur-lined cloak, that's one of my favorite Doom looks. You know, the outdoorsy. The outdoorsy mm -hmm. cape. Well, you know, I those thought, Latvian winners, they get kind of chilly. I know, I tell you. You know, science and superstition, working hand in hand, which are, you know, of course, the the dual threads of Doom's uh, heritage. I thought it, it covered that origin very well. And if you don't count the post credit scene, it did it completely without read, which is... <laughs> Also, a positive thing in this movie's, uh, 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 you know, positive list. Okay, so we have no less than four actors portraying uh, Victor in all of this. Because time travel's fun. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you have young Victor, you have adult Victor, you have Dr. Doom Victor, and then you have yes. the voice then of Dr. Voice, Doom. Yep. Mm -hmm. Again, so, I think that voice was... Very, very solid. Oh, yeah. They gave it just the right hint of metallic echo without yeah, sounding uh, yeah. overly robotic. Yeah, both the Doom voice and 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 the actor doing Victor as well. Mm -hmm. I thought the, the accent on that was strong. But yeah, they really got the uh, the right the right type of echo, not just an you know, echo booming voice, but like you said, a metallic tinge. You know, there were some production and, and direction aspects. Of this, the the movie making side like that, like that uh, vocal tone for for Doctor, uh, for the Doctor character, uh, it's really really strong. Oh, okay. So uh, before we get into uh, any more serious discussion, dis discussions, you know, talking that thing that happens at various times during the day. 
Before we get into any more discussions about all this, you know, as far as the plot and all that, uh, according to the filmmakers, they had a total budget of just over $11,000. Yeah, that's hard to believe. Uh, yeah, and even harder to believe, this is the first on Fan Film Fridays. I have an actual breakdown of how the money was spent. Oh, wonderful. Did 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 you know that before you asked your finance professor friend on? I did not. <laughs> this actually uh, came from a press release they did. Yes, folks, a press release for a fan film. This is like the second time this has happened, or third, probably third. Yes, counting's hard. <laughs> One, two, other numbers, mm, you know. Stuff, Z. Don't forget Z. A lot of people forget Z when they count. Yes. So the budget breakdown, and I'm not going into as much detail as they did, mm-hmm. but by golly, that huh, they definitely explained where the money went, and I was happy for it. So out of their, uh, well, it's it's roughly you know eleven thousand three hundred, but we're not going to nitpick. We're just going to kind of estimate here. Uh, out of all that, location cost was about three hundred and sixty-five dollars. Costumes and production design, twenty one hundred. Uh, the crew split about a thousand bucks. Actors got you know fourteen hundred sp- split between them all. The equipment was also roughly fourteen hundred. Food for everybody was around fourteen hundred. So see, they did in- uh, include all the craft services there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Post production was twenty five hundred bucks. And miscellaneous expenses were, you know, close to eleven hundred. Interesting. So they dumped most of their money into uh, costumes, as far as what they broke it down to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 interesting. I don't know, you know, the order that you'll release these in, but as of our recording of this, the most recent one that I listened to was the one with Laurel talking about uh, her new boyfriend, uh, Batman. And, um, which by the way, I think Laurel does great work, uh, as a podcaster, which is pretty good considering her, you know, her, 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 her duties as the chief, uh, you know, legal affairs, uh, uh, officer there at long box crusade headquarters. Um, but in that one, there were a number of known uh, actors mm-hmm. and, you know, your, your comment that I, I don't remember what that was, eighty ninety thousand dollars budget. That I mean, probably legitimately sixty or sixty-five thousand went to went to that 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 line item on the budget in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Madsen, Doug Jones, other other named uh, you know, veteran, we'd say real actors and 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 actresses, as opposed to as opposed to this one where the the budget could be poured into the things like you said the costuming and the design mm-hmm. elements. And also, I think the post-production work was was pretty uh, pretty good as well. There was some wonderful color. Um, I mean, the, the just the uh, the outdoor scenes I thought were quite quite beautiful, and to to the extent that I didn't think they looked quite natural. So when you said twenty five hundred dollars into post-production, I mean some of that's going to be sound and, and other things as well. But I, I I would guess a chunk of that went into the uh, visual look of of the film as well. Oh yeah, because I mean. Uh, the, the special effects. Special mm-hmm. effects, while there the, are not a ton, are really well done. Yeah, the the you know the the green globe is 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 the main one, and as it you know would would glow more or less, uh, that was well done. 
mm-hmm. and it it left behind some you know sort of glowy artifacts after after its use. So you would see a little you know sparkling green you know on the screen for you know five seconds or so as it as it dissipated. There were a lot of little touches like uh, like that. Mm-hmm. A real I think a real attention to uh, to detail in in including things like the the fur lined jacket. You know oh, the yeah and. And that, the doc- that, that cloak and the mask is pretty mm-hmm. good too. Yeah, Doctor Doom's energy blast is definitely mm-hmm. going to yeah. set you back a few dollars. Yeah. Uh, as far as the costumes, aside from uh, the Doctor Doom costume and the Baron's uniform, most of it was pretty much just like standard clothing. It's just yep. it needed to still be bought. So yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, a very minor hiccup to me would be that. 1976 at Empire State didn't look like 1976 necessarily, <laughs> you know, in terms of clothes and, and design elements and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That is pretty minor. Uh, to me, the only one quibble that might be a little more, a little more significant, a little more major, was that Doom's parental house. It looked just like a generic suburban dwelling, which is probably what it was, right? Um, and it was similar. To the Baron's dwelling, just less fancy. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, you know it would have been nice. Again, you'd, it would cost you a couple hundred bucks, but to have something of a tent or caravan setting, you know, reflective of that typical or stereotypical uh, Roma heritage. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only actual problem that I had. That the fact that the '60s didn't look like the '60s or the '70s didn't look like the '70s, or that those are that is actually just a quibble. The 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 part about Doom's house that was oh, that's the one bit that took me out. Yeah, and as we've learned with um, you know the last time you were here looking at the dying detective, mm-hmm. uh, you know we learned you can do a lot with just a you know one or two single rooms. It right. all managed. All comes down to the staging, yep. decorations, and such. So, but yeah, like you said, that's a nitpick. Overall, it's yeah, you know, it doesn't really just shut down the film. Oh yeah, and and, and sorry, uh, one other thing. I, I guess I I I do think the extern the external exterior shooting was very strong. They were, um, you know, wherever they filmed it, it was a they had a beautiful fall location. But again, I think there may have been some additional color put into those golden oranges on, on, on the leaves, perhaps. Um, uh, the, uh, music and sound was, was, was very good as well. The, the score I thought was rightly appropriately bombastic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Great music to go with it. Uh, I'd like to go back to what you mentioned though, on the, the external shots, they clearly knew what they were doing with the lighting. Yes. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't, didn't accidentally have any sort of glare, any, right. Any unwanted lens flares, any anything like that, you could definitely shoot outside with it not being distracting, and that's a real plus when it comes to doing some of these because some people really have no idea what they're doing out there. Yep, I thought that in in ter- in, in terms of the casting, that I thought the Baron had a great look. Um, I thought that I thought that you know Mrs. Baron that was a good enough death scene. Uh, Papa Doom uh, was fine. Again, with Doom himself, I thought the the the, the various again those voices in in and out of the mask were uh, were were really strong. And I I like the overall concept. I mean the the theme of this is that I mean 
this is rough. He time travels to save his dad. But it turns out that that's a bad idea because dad being killed by the Baron is what created Doom. And that origin can't be undone or Doom will cease himself. Right? He will be a different person if his father doesn't die. And to be honest, he kind of likes the person he is. So he has to let his father die. By the way, this is a choice Barry Allen would never make, which is why Barry Allen always screws up the time stream. <laughs> Doom had the chance to do that, but he, he went traveled back in time to make sure his father is killed by the Baron so he can be set along the same path. That is intense, my man. That's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> That's good work ethic. You know, he's got good work ethic, Alan. Come on. So, look, Clinton, sometimes you have to put the lives of the many, the lives of the world, the universe, the multiverse, ahead of the lives of the one. If there's nothing that Star Trek has taught us, it's kind of sort of that, maybe, depending how you look at it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't just go ahead and ask, what did you think of Reed Richards? Well, let me let me address that in this way and say that sometimes with art, the most important part is you know the the unused space, the empty space, or the the uh, the negative space. <laughs> you know that that tells a story as much as where the ink is or where the paint is. And they say that in jazz, the notes you don't play are as important as the ones you do play. And, you know, in a film like this, the best part is not just what is in it. It's what is not in it or what's barely in it. I mean, more specifically, who is barely in it. <laughs> There's no annoying, arrogant, stretchy blue guy. There's barely a Reed Richards at all. And that's only in the post credit scene, which really, technically speaking, we probably shouldn't even count. And he comes off as a total dweeb, so that's good. And that is a victory worthy of five stars or 100 of the very freshest tomatoes. Oh, good. Okay, you were telling me... Uh... I mean, first of all, I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. If you have the chance to add one member of the Fantastic Four, Reed would be seventh on my list. <laughs> I know the joke is, yeah, but Sue probably was there. She was invisible. Okay, come on. Don't give me that. Okay, so you were telling me earlier that uh, this has a, a few comic connections. Yes, the um, one of my all-time, no kidding, uh, uh, favorite comic books of all time is Doom's origin as originally told by Stan and Jack. Yeah, let's just say Jack and Stan for purposes of this argument. Uh, but that was in Fantastic Four Annual number two. And the first few pages of that story are clearly used as inspiration for the movie. It's it's the story of the Baron and the sick wife and uh, Doom's father being the, the village or tribal. But neither of those is quite quite the right word, uh, but being the healer uh, in that in that community being called to save the wife. Uh, the wife dies, and they go on the run. Um, and and as I was flipping through that, first off, the Baron in this kind of looks like the Baron from that. Doom's father 
kind of looks like Jack's version of Doom's father in this. Even young Victor has some reminiscences, uh, resemblances, I should say, to the character uh, in the film. So clearly the first five, six pages of of FF Annual 2 must have been uh, 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 storyboards for those those uh, 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 first half or so of the of the film. Okay, so does the uh, little green globe does it show up in the comic at all, or no? That... that 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 replaces the general concept of Doom's mother's mystical sorceress gear. So that that globe is a stand-in for all of that stuff. A, a uh, simplification of the spell books and the teaching books and 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 all of that stuff sort of uh, condensed into that into that globe which in terms of adaptation not a bad idea yeah i think that would probably have been uh, one of my two real drawbacks in this film is that the globe itself isn't really explained very well but i yeah. guess it's really not needed it's just you know you understand it's a power source i just kind of wish they had given a little more background on it Right. And uh, my other drawback is kind of a nitpick like yours about the house. I really didn't like that most of the characters didn't have first names. Mm, okay, yeah. But again, right. you know, I see that that, that kind of is probably intentional because the, the film is supposed to be about doom. Right. And not just, you know, that he's clearly the protagonist, that the film is clearly about doom, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the great storylines or sort of through lines of Doom's life, um, you know, is his relationship with his mother. And, you know, you know, maybe in the maybe in the sequel uh, 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 to this movie, I'd like to see obviously none of those blue people. Um, but, you know, I, I would almost trust this team to, to tell the story of Doom battling for the soul of his mother on a regular basis, uh, 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 which he does. Because like all good boys, Victor loves his mommy very, very much. And that bit does come across somewhat in the movie, but uh, you need a, you, you need a, uh, the, the father was really the, the key parental figure uh, in terms of the relationship that we see. But the, uh, you know, the mother is another critical piece of what makes Victor Von Doom. Well, you know, you'd also need more than one female actor. So there is that. Oh man, I just I can't get over how fun the the line is though when uh, Doctor Doom is just explaining you know fate and destiny and everything to the Baron, and then he's just like you know some men call it fate, but I prefer to call it now. Obviously, nowadays the word Doom does have a much more negative connotation but strictly speaking uh, in the olden times like if you read even if you read uh, uh, Lord of the Rings with Tolkien you know his his love of the English language uh, he uses the word doom and fate as synonyms because again originally a couple hundred years ago they really just meant the exact same thing a doom could be positive or negative mm-hmm. um, you know in the Hundred years, you know, since then, you know, in 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 all of the era that uh, that uh, Marvel Comics has been in existence, <laughs> Doom obviously uh, the word has a more negative connotation. But historically, Doom and Fate 
uh, were were actual synonyms again a couple centuries ago in that version of the English language. Oh yeah, especially you know like you know if you're looking at it in the uh, Greek sense, the fates nothing ever, ever good ever came from the fates. <laughs> there, there's that too. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, I think I've about said my piece on this. Do you have anything to add on it, Professor? Uh, hail doom. Well, yeah, obviously, but. <laughs> no, that was wonderful. Thank you for encouraging me to watch this. You know, it's good. You've really introduced me uh, to the concept of fan films. Clinton, I really do appreciate that. You know, this is my second appearance uh, here on, on this show. So now I counted them all up and I've now watched two fan films. <laughs> all those spoilers. I have watched this one approximately 239 times. So. I think that counts for something. So, you know, needless to say, folks, this is one that everybody should be checking out, especially if you are a fan of Doctor Doom. Uh, I mean, come on. The, the, the YouTube stuff can't be right. 109,000. Come on. No, 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 no. We can get this higher, folks. <laughs> this, this thing deserves to be seen. They put money into doing a press release, for goodness sakes. Come on. <laughs> Reward some effort, if nothing else. They broke down their budget for us. Come on, man. The least the, the least you can do, listener, listener, I'm looking at you, is go watch the film. <laughs> and once again, you know, speaking of the breakdown, they also uh, did a comparison of what it would have cost had they actually done it, like, as a big production. Mm. So it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, finance lesson, if nothing else. Interesting. So... That pretty well sums it up. Professor, thank you for joining me. Uh, do let the people know where they can find you. Well, most of the work we do is comic book related. And that can be found at Relatively Geeky, the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. That feed includes, of course, Doom Speak. And also the Quarterbin Podcast, Short Box Showcase, Comics Reading Journal, stuff like that. And about five years or so ago, Em and I started a side project, Dorkness to Light, which is dedicated to the intersection of pop culture and faith or religion, spirituality, the theology. That's a particular interest of ours. And that is where we can be found. Thanks for inviting me back on, uh, Clinton. And uh, speaking for Latveria, a grateful nation thanks you as well for breaking the Hollywood system, the shadow banning, the boycott of this film, and bringing it to the masses. Uh, you said in your email that the listenership of this podcast was in the, was it millions or billions? I, I can't remember exactly. It was one of those, one of those. So we, we understand that, that that number of views, if it doesn't go up tenfold, 20-fold, you know, you might be, you know, there there might be a follow-up visit. And I don't mean to release you from the basement. Anyway, uh, but we thank you uh, for hosting uh, hosting this. Uh, very kind. Um, uh, believe me, I have seen worse sellers. I have seen worst, uh, worst prisons. Your situation here, I've heard you whine about it. It's not that bad, buddy, okay? Suck it up. And again, thank you. Uh, you know. I mean, I can't complain too much. Ten minutes of sunlight every month. All the Sky Strikers I can eat. 
what more do you need in life, right? I hear you just need one Sky Striker if you've lived a good, appropriate uh, life. Well, apparently you haven't been hungry this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you hear that, listeners? Uh, you can get some views on this. Maybe I can get out of the basement. Uh, you know, political gears moving as quickly as they always do. And yeah, so we'll take a quick break and see if I'm still here for some listener feedback. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain. And good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking with me. This is, of course, the feedback portion of the show. Okay, maybe dial it down just not right. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, basically, you know, this is where I give thanks to everybody who gave support for the show, especially the Crusaders Club members who help keep the lights on here at uh, good old, you know, LBC HQ. Uh, you know, that that one light that I have down here in the basement, and it's kind of flickering. So, you know, a few... Yeah, anyway. All the, um, all the love to you folks. Maybe get me, like, you know, a couple of tea lights down here. That'd be nice. So, last episode, which was Batman Dying is Easy, got a lot of love on the socials. Thank you so much, folks. It got likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff from Gene Hendricks, The Hammer Strikes, Max Reads Comics, Laurel, who happened to be my guest host on that last episode, Jared Albrick, Chris Stados, Jason Albrick, a.k.a. Weasel Skull, Tim Price, Sean Ross, Billy Delicious, Chris at BTO and Batbooks, The Batgirl Huntress Podcast, John Baker, Kazi Moroff, Relatively Geeky, Professor Frenzy, Ken Solo, Derek William Crabb, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, and Rad Adventures. If I missed anybody or I goofed up on your names, do please let me know because I will make it up to you in the next episode. So we got a little bit of direct feedback on uh, the last episode. The Hammer Strikes, Gene Hendricks himself. He wrote to say, I have watched too much Slappy Squirrel. I saw this title and immediately added, Comedy is hard. That just proves you're a man of uh, culture there, Gene. Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist himself, said, Quote, those stupid Albrechts, I'm hurt, but also surprised this phrase hasn't appeared on more podcasts. Well, you know, I'm sure it could be its own spinoff podcast here on the Longbox Crusade Network. Ah, uh, we would just need, a, you know, the right kind of hosts there, Jared. Sean Ross from Secret Wars and Beyond retweeted and said, Two great hosts on a great show. 
Well, thank you, Sean. And that is it for feedback, folks. So if you want to get in touch with the show, you can always email us at fanfilmfridays at gmail.com. Message me direct on Twitter, which is Fridays underscore fan. And of course, there's always the Longbox Crusade website, which is longboxcrusade.com. One more time, thanks to my co-host for this episode, Professor Allen. You can always get in touch with him on the Relatively Geeky Network. Just uh, hunt him up on Twitter. um, Or, you know, just listen for the sound of quarters being dropped at any, uh, any sort of comic shop around. You know, I'm sure you'll find him. So, once again, thank you all for sticking with me. Thank you for listening. And I hope to have you back for another Fan Film Friday. Today you can take your telephone, your, your, your cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you this